He also who had received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you did not winnow. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But the master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sowed and gather where I have not winnowed? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Dear congregation, ever since I was cast out into the outer darkness, people have been arguing about what I did. And my parable was told over 2,000 years ago. So it's only fair that I should have a chance to explain myself. I think I should start by saying I never really liked being a servant. It wasn't simply attending to every beck and call of my master I objected to. Most jobs have some element of that. It was something about the lack of control. You see, I've always thought of myself as being more of a master, even though I worked as a servant. Funny, then, my reaction when the master gave me a talent, which, although less than what those other servants received, was still worth 20 years' salary for a typical laborer. I don't know if you still use talents. I tend to doubt it, because they were impractically heavy. They weren't coins, but units of measure, the equivalent of approximately 66 of your pounds. You'd think the kind of opportunities that degree of wealth promised would have caught my imagination. But when I beheld that great hunk of metal, the talent my master had entrusted to me, my first thought was simply how heavy it was. It was a strain just to move the thing, let alone to go about trading with it. What cause had I to rejoice? This was just one great heavy responsibility, one more task for me from my master, from which he would take the profits. Of course, it wasn't as if I was oblivious to its value, but let me ask you this. Whose talent was it anyway? My master chose to entrust it to me. He didn't give it to me. I was still a servant. I knew full well that he held my two colleagues' abilities in higher esteem. You think I didn't notice when he gave one an incredible five talents or the other double what he gave me? It was almost as if he wanted to prove my ineptitude. It was hardly a fair contest anyway with them all getting so much more than I did. How could I ever match their success when I was to begin with just one talent? Can you blame me if I didn't want to play along? 
So I did what everybody is always criticizing. I pushed that hulking talent into a field, and I dug a nice big hole, which wasn't exactly easy work, and I hid that thing in the earth. Well, now we never hear the end of it, of what a bad idea that was of mine to bury the talent where it would be safe from the thieves and the evil forces of this world. Indeed, there are people who seem to think that's this parable's only point. And now all these preachers are always exhorting everyone everywhere to use their talents for the master, to take a risk and go out on a limb trusting in him. Trusting in him. That's what they say, but I can feel their fingers pointing at me as they proclaim it. How much is their interpretation about trust? And how much is it about fear? Fear that if you don't take the risk, you'll end up here with me, gnashing your teeth in the outer darkness. And this is why I write. Because that's the sort of fear that motivates talent burial. Too many announce that we must take risks trusting in the Lord as if we can thereby save ourselves while never confronting that fear. You see, my fear, the one that led me to bury the talent, was that my master was counting success, that he was counting success rather than faith, that I could take a risk and fail and thereby lose his favor. My fear was that my master was a hard man, reaping where he did not sow. I thought I knew my master. But let me tell you, I was wrong. When a man who owns a farm has his farm hands sow seeds and fresh green stalks shoot forth from the earth, is not the yield his? And at the harvest, do you not take in much more than you planted? I'm well aware of the irony of my using this metaphor because I buried my talent in the earth like a seed. But talents don't grow in the ground. They come to fruition through commerce. It was as if my master had entrusted seeds to me and I had scattered them over the stones and footfall-packed earth of the marketplace. I misunderstood the yield as belonging to us servants and not to the master. I can see now that the master does not reap where he has not sown. Perhaps if I had not been so busy imagining myself a master thinking I owned the farm, thinking that I knew what properly belonged to him, I would not have thought my master so harsh. Instead of resenting his ability to take what was rightfully his, I would have been able to trust his justice. I would have been able to trust him. And so I write you, I know this parable is a challenging one because it calls into question what you know of the master. 
that he dealt with me harshly is undeniable. But you are in a better position than I to judge whether he was unjust in doing so. Yet I'm not writing to protest his decision. I'm writing to warn you. If you can learn anything from me, from my mistake, it's the danger of misunderstanding who the master is. But how can you identify those things you may have wrong about the master's character? My parable suggests one way. To ask yourself what it is in your conception of the master that is holding you back from trusting him, from serving him. For if you truly know the master, it will be impossible to avoid taking risks. Knowing him, you will go out and make much of the talents he entrusts you. I am but a fiction, a character in a parable meant to prove a point. But you are flesh and blood. And so you can know the master as I never could. You see, I wasn't simply wrong to think that the master would reap where he did not sow. I got it completely backwards. Because the man who told my parable was the master himself. The master became that man in order for real, live people like you to reap the fruit of redemption. For good works can no more yield salvation than a giant hunk of metal buried in the earth can bear fruit. Only God himself could produce that crop. And so he became man. He hung on the tree. His body was buried in the earth. And in just three days, he burst forth to yield the greatest harvest of all. He sowed the seed, was the seed, that you might reap where you have not sown, where neither you nor I could ever sow. Go. Taste the fruit of Calvary's tree. Taste and see that the master is merciful. Amen. Amen.